let's be real. Home is the place where all of the beautiful goodness Christ taught crashes headfirst into the ugly brick wall that is real life. But this is also where it starts to really matter. This is where we equip ourselves and our family with all of the tools, skills, and whatchamacallits vital to succeed in Christ. Join us in our journey to find light, positivity, and specific practical ways to make our homes little outposts of heaven so we can better brighten wherever we end up wandering. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Outpost of Heaven, the podcast. This is Emily, as always, here with my co-host, Andrew. Hey everybody. We're super excited to have you here with us again on Outpost of Heaven, the podcast. You want to explain, honey, what our podcast is about for our new listeners, if there are any? Yes. Welcome if you're new. We are a Christ-centered podcast for um, strengthening and uplifting your home and family. We talk about things from our own fails and successes to um, the scriptures and spiritual things. And we kind of all just, we relate it back to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we know that it can be confusing and daunting and um, overwhelming sometimes to try to live the gospel. But we try to bring it back home and give real life application. So that's what we're about. And welcome. Cool. Thanks, babe. Appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is September. Mm-hmm. I know for some people that might seem like it's crazy that it's September, and for some people it might seem crazy that it's only September, but it is September. Yes. And there are a lot of good things in September. Your our, birthday. My birthday. Our daughter's birthday. Yep. Are there any other good things? I mean, my brother's birthday. Cousins. I have a lot uh, of... Other than birthdays. Other than birthdays. Well, in Louisiana, it's not going to be fall yet, really. No. But in other places, it's fall, and that's exciting. Is it fall in other places right now? When uh, does well, fall in Utah, fi- it was like snowing yesterday. When does fall officially start? I think it's like the end of September. Like September 20-something. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But here it is still hot. And it will be hot for a yeah. while. But it is- I kind of like to put it in my head that like pumpkin stuff is coming and pumpkin spice and... and um, all the fall things and sweaters, even though it's not going to be that way for me right now. No, it's going <laughs> to be But in hot. my head, I'm, I'm just really excited. Well, for me growing up, September was always associated with cane season. Because it's like, it's oh. a, the at least where I grew up, the sugar cane festival was the weekend of my birthday every year. Okay, does that happen twice a year? The, the cutting season? Yeah. The, there's like multiple cutting seasons. Because I remember there was one in January... And it's very stinky. Is it a stinky thing? It is. Like the refining process can be stinky. Yes. It's very stinky. But yeah. So there are multiple like growing seasons with sugar cane because it's hot here. But so they would have festivals? Uh, so I know like the sugar cane festival specifically is at the end of September oh, in cool. New Iberia, Louisiana. Oh, okay. Well. So like every, if you're not from Louisiana, in Louisiana, like all the big cities, even the small cities have a festival that they put on once a year. And each festival has its own theme. And so you'll have like sugarcane and there's like a hurricane festival and like a petroleum festival. They love their festivals down here. They do. In Franklin, where I grew up, it was the Black Bear Festival. Hmm. They probably won't be doing a bunch of festivals this year, right? No. Because of COVID. But we are not here to talk about right. festivals. <laughs> anyway. We're here to talk about September. Well, specifically, September is national... Hold on. I want to make sure I get this exactly right. It's National Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. Yes. And so we're not 
coming on the podcast today to specifically talk about suicide, but we do want to talk about mental health. Yeah, mental health in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have talked about mental health in the past, and we definitely want to recommend that you um, go and listen to some of those episodes. We have one with Aubrey Grossen from The Mamahood and from The Anya Project, and she talked to us about um, postpartum mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And then we also have some episodes with The Kinney Kinneys, where we talked about anxiety, anxiety and depression, Um, So we will go ahead and put those in the show notes for you to check out. Just some great additional information about mental health awareness and um, suicide prevention. Yeah. And I I think uh, we didn't, we don't have a guest on this time. You know, the last two times we just, we felt that there were topics that really required some kind of professional input. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this time we're not doing that uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, but we are just going to talk about our experience with with mental health in general as we've been kind of exploring this topic on our own. And I, what I hope we can do is kind of help people get their own conversation started in your own marriage because I'm guessing that the vast majority of our wonderful listeners, of you, all of you out there, aren't mental health professionals. And so you're not going to come at this from like a clinical or a super, super hyper-educated perspective, but your conversations are probably going to sound a lot like ours. And so hopefully something we say can serve as like a, a model to like, it's like let you know that, hey, you don't have to be perfect about these, or like have perfect knowledge about these things in order to talk about them, or just kind of give you the the boost to start talking about this in your own marriage mm-hmm. or in your own family if you're you know, not currently married, or with your friends, if that's who your support group are right now. Right, just kind of um, the push to be a little bit more vulnerable and open about what you're going through, or how you're feeling. And we do, we want to use an article that we found. It's called Including Your Spouse in Your Mental Health by Catherine Duvall. Mm-hmm. And we will include it in the show notes if you want to go back and read it. We yeah. encourage you to read it. It's not very long. It's really good. It's really short. Um, but basically the author here is talking about her own experiences with mental health illness and how it affects different facets of your life and how you can overcome it in each of those facets. So Mm -hmm. should we dive in? Yeah, and specifically it's about how to include your spouse in your mental health journey, I guess. Right. Um, And so can I give you a little bit of background? She... uh, Married her husband, and then or she had like been meeting with doctors, and she was on medication. And about a month or two before she was married, she got off medication uh, under or the supervision of her doctors. And then uh, a few months after they were married, he was he's in the military, and he was deployed for five months somewhere. Right. And then she kind of spiraled again. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's about her experience and how she like included her husband and how we can do the same by including our loved ones in our mental health journeys. Yeah. And so we're going to be talking about spouses when we talk. Yeah. Uh, but these principles apply to loved ones in general or to close friends. But I think your spouses have a special role and they're probably the ones who are best suited to help you along in this journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to, we're going to talk about that that way. But if you're not in a marriage, if you're not married, um, keep listening, keep listening it still applies. and it still applies. Uh, but you know, your situation and you know how to best apply it if you're not married. But again, so we're not trying to 
exclude you from this conversation, but we're going we're gonna to talk about married couples. Right. And I also think that, you know, as we started reading this, um, we did realize that it's about someone that was having some serious mental health issues. And, I mean, she admits that it was like an illness. Um, but it definitely applies to people that aren't going through anything mentally challenging, I guess. I would mental say maybe not mental challenge. Like, everybody has mental health. Like, right. everybody should consider their mental health and where it's at. Right. So, it doesn't just, like, when we say mental health, we're not just talking about people that have a mental illness. Or have or anxiety, have anxiety or depression. depression. Or... Yeah. We're talking about everybody. Right. Yeah. Because, um, as we've talked about with the Kinney Kinneys, I think they provided such a wonderful discussion and, and like, kind of set of tools to determine whether or not you need medical or professional help or not and and how to deal with those kind of thoughts and, and all that kind of stuff. Again, go listen to the episode. It's super great. But the key is uh, everybody deals with depressing thoughts and hard days and anxiety. And like everyone deals with these things. Uh, the problem is when people are suffering and they are debilitated in that they cannot function and deal with those things. Mm-hmm. And so people that are suffering from like clinical anxiety and depression, it's they are struggling with the same things you struggle with. They just can't deal with them for whatever reason. Right. And that's not saying that their levels of anxiety and depression are more, more intense or anything like that. But the fact is like the type of things that we deal with are the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Han, do you want to dive in first? I think you had a couple points you wanted to share. I do as well, but I think you might hit on the points that I want to share first. Yeah, so I'll just go ahead and break up the article into how she explains what's going on here. So, um, she's broken it up into some categories. Physical health, emotional health, social health, and spiritual health. Um... And so why did you break up, break them up into those four categories? How do these apply to mental health? Right. So like with physical health, um, I really love in this first line, she says that our bodies and our minds are very connected as the scriptures teach the spirit and the body are the soul of man. Mm-hmm. And, um, so when your physical health is struggling, your mental health will suffer. And when your mental health suffers, your physical health will suffer. So like they're so, so, so connected that we need to just make sure that we are having um, a good physical health routine or habits so that our mental health can, so that our minds can be stronger mm-hmm. too. Okay, so she's broken them up into these categories to show us that um, your mental health can affect the different, the other different categories um, and then how our spouses can help us when those other facets of our life are affected. Right. And vice versa. That no right. your mind it's not just that your mental health affects these other things, but these things all play a role in in uh, increasing Can you increase your mental health? That doesn't sound right. You improve. can improve. There you go. You Im- can better it. So yeah. uh, improving all these areas of health improves your mental health. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't want to get into each of these categories because you can go and read that for yourself and get more out of it than I can tell you. Um, but I do want to hit on some of the takeaways that I have from it. Is go that ahead. okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. So my 
one of the biggest takeaways that I had comes from the physical health section, but it applies throughout the whole thing. It's let your spouse in on your plan. So, um, if you are struggling mentally, it's so important that you figure out a plan first, but that you tell someone your plan. Um, and in this case, tell your spouse your plan. Let, let him or her know what you're feeling, what you're going through, and that you have a plan, but you're going to need help. Because if you don't tell them, then how are they supposed to help you? Mm-hmm. You know, like you have to tell someone. So that was kind of my biggest takeaway. And then also... You want to talk about how um, how a spouse can play a role in that? Like why is it important for your spouse to know? So that they can... I mean, this is just my yeah my take on it. But if I am having a hard day or struggling mentally or emotionally... If I don't tell Andrew, I, one, could start resenting him for not doing enough to help mm-hmm. me. But how is he supposed to know if I don't tell him? Um, so if I tell him, first of all, I will feel better. Even though it might be hard and it takes a lot of vulnerability and bravery. Um, I will feel better because I won't feel that resentment. And then also, he will feel like, well, I don't actually know how you would feel. Yeah, how do you think I feel? <laughs> I can't tell, tell me you. how I feel. No, I don't want to tell you how you feel. <laughs> no, you, you, you started saying how I feel, so let's see how you no. think I feel. Okay, so I would assume, okay. I don't know, Okay. maybe correct me if I'm wrong. All right. I would assume that you would feel like your role as a husband, as a spouse, as a protector would be kind of like boosted. Mm-hmm. Um. That even you would feel, I feel weird saying this because it's like, I'm telling you how to feel. (laughs) I would assume that you would feel more loved because I shared it with you. Is that the case? That is the case. Okay, good. You are Okay, how else would you feel? When you share your struggles or you share your plan? Oh, yeah, yeah, both. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think when you share your struggles, um... There are two things. One, I do feel good. I feel like you you trusted me and you love me. And I feel, especially when you come out from a place of vulnerability and not a place of accusation. Because Mm -hmm. honestly, when you're struggling with something, it when you're having a hard day mentally, uh, it usually something I'm doing is making your day worse. (laughs) Like just straight up. Or maybe I'm just taking it out on you for regardless. Like regardless of whether it's justified. Mm -hmm. Like we're in the realm of emotion which doesn't have to be logical and there doesn't have to be a real reason. Right. Something I'm doing is probably making it worse or harder. And so, um, when you tell me these things, uh, it helps when you come at it from a place of vulnerability. And so it doesn't feel like I'm being attacked. Mm -hmm. Like, so if you're just saying like, this is really bugging me, it's hard for me not to be offended. Okay. Right. Yeah. But when you, talk about how like this like i'm really struggling today and like this thing that is going on that you're maybe that you say like, that this thing that i think you've been unaware like unawaringly is that a word that can't be a word go for it unawaringly doing uh is is making it more difficult for me mm-hmm. that helps me not to be offended because it's, it's really hard 
is you don't want to come in like guns a blazing. Right. Because that's not going to fix anything. I think one of the reasons why it feels like you're being accused of something is because like when it's not coming from a place of vulnerability, it's it's me thinking, like feeling like I have it under control. Like I can do it alone. I have it under control. But really what that does for me, like this is my own personal experience, when I am struggling and I also am like trying to prove to myself and to you that I can handle it on my own, mm-hmm. like I kind of get aggressive. And I kind of like, I do take it out on you oh, for yeah. some reason. Mm-hmm. And if I were to just come at it from a place of vulnerability and just tell you everything that's going on in my heart and in my head, then it would be a lot better for both of us. Yeah. And and a lot um, like kinder and sweeter of them. Yeah. And, def- yeah. and, and for better or for worse, uh, my personality type is, and I think a lot of men are like this, like we're, f- we're fixers and I love you deeply and it makes me super sad when i see that you're sad mm-hmm. when you're angry i feel like i have to be defensive but when you're sad if i'm the reason that you're sad then i want to change and so if you're if i'm the reason that you're angry then i feel like i'm being wronged but if mm-hmm. you are sad then all my defenses go down right away okay this is like a really open honest discussion like yeah b- between the two of us i mean it's <laughs> good yeah. for us um and so that's so that's so, it's very good for me that you're that way. Mm-hmm. So how does it make you feel then when I come to you with a plan? I think it it helps me see that you're committed to not wallowing. Okay. And I feel like we're on a team and I um I still feel like what it, when you come to me with a plan it doesn't I don't take it at face value and say this is like how what she needs to do and this is her plan and everything. What it tells me is that Okay, we're entering in a zone where I need to be hyper aware, mm-hmm. and um, she's setting the. And I'm talking about she. I'm talking to the listeners right now, to you guys. Right, right. But when Emily tells me that, I think, okay, Emily is entering into a zone right now where she's going to be hypersensitive, and I know her weaknesses and I know her strengths. And one of her strengths and her weaknesses is that she sets really high goals to push herself. But it also means that sometimes they're a little unrealistic and mm-hmm. she is setting herself, frequently sets herself up to be frustrated with herself yep. and to be disappointed. Absolutely. Uh, and so I listen to her goals and I encourage them. And sometimes I'll say, "Hun, do you think that might be a little excessive? But most of the time I just say, like, this is awesome. I'm super supportive. And then we go for it. And then I just have to be aware when I see that the stress is appearing uh, and she's not meeting those goals, to be willing to step in and help her feel encouraged to change those goals to kind of be more rooted in her actual situation. Mm-hmm. And not to like break me down and say like, I don't, like, it looks like you can't do this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You're always very supportive and you really do help me realize that, oh, I wasn't being rooted before. Right. And I think that was actually my point, that the, the takeaway from the physical health section uh, so she talked about how she was in school, uh, when she was in school uh, and dating her husband, I guess then dating her fiancé, who then became her husband, uh, she really wanted to spend time with her boyfriend or with him, and but she also had a lot of homework, and so she would go on dates with him and then come back and then not go to sleep for a long time because she was doing homework, 
and then wake up really early to go to class. And so she wasn't getting the sleep she needed. And when her Which what, is a huge factor. Right. And, I think. and when her boyfriend found out about it, he said, Okay, like this isn't healthy, so like let's adjust and we can change what our dates look like. Uh, and we can engage in, uh, we can do the th- whatever we need to do to make it so you can get the sleep you need and the homework you need and then also the time together. Because it, it, I, I think all those things are important, but you have to make adjustments for the, the phase of life you're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like that he approached it from like a team, like a, a team perspective. Yeah. Which was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And I think... Uh, a lot of what I try and do is that where you it's it's not just listening to their like listening to your wife's plan but saying okay like what are her needs like where is she lacking like what is she struggling with and then proactively saying okay like let's sacrifice this and whatnot especially because most I, I mean I if you guys out there are lucky enough to be married to someone as wonderful as Emily. Um, <laughs> Emily is very selfless in that she is constantly like willing to sacrifice her own well-being for the well-being of our kids and for me, for our family in general. And so I have to be very vigilant and look and paying attention to whether or not she is selling herself. Like how do I say this? Like whether or not she is sacrificing too much of herself to a point where she's not able to take care of herself and therefore not able to take care of everybody else. Because when Mm -hmm. it comes down to it, if you're not taking care of yourself, you can't take care of other people. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, just being, being aware of that uh, and being willing to uh, make those adjustments and engage uh, with your spouse's plan or their needs outside of their plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. Um, so in the emotional health section, I really like this um, thought that she had. She said, being vulnerable about, vulnerable about my feelings was actually a sign of strength. And I really love that line because I think a lot of the time we feel like when we talk about our feelings or we admit um, like the not so pleasant ones or the negative feelings, that we are being weak or we're incompetent or we can't handle it. Um, or what we're going through is too much or too hard and we're just not good enough. And so, like, it's easy to get into those negative um, thought spirals. Um, But I like that she said that being vulnerable is a strength because, like, being able to think about how you feel and being able to think about how you think, I I would definitely say that's a strength. Mm -hmm. Would you agree? Yeah, Yeah. definitely. I think it's a difficult strength yeah to have i mean it wouldn't be vulnerable if it were easy right does that logic follow i don't know it wouldn't be important if it was i don't know if that logic follows that wouldn't be vulnerable if it was easy but it was it is difficult because it requires vulnerability yeah so yeah sure okay that works um, so I just like that. I feel like a lot of the times we just beat ourselves up too much and it's okay to be vulnerable with your feelings and your thoughts and you can still feel strong and be vulnerable. Yeah. So, I mean, we've been talking a lot about women, actually. You've used me as an example. I've used myself as an example. The author's a woman. Um, why do you 
think, I mean, this is, we're not experts, so we can't generalize really, but from Andrew's, from your own opinion, why do you think this is more of a woman issue? Why is it, why is it more, why is it more difficult for men to talk about feelings and be vulnerable? I mean, I think there are a lot of things that go into it. Um, and I'm going to speak from personal experience. I I, th- I don't think, I mean, the data shows that men on average tend to be more analytical. They have personality types that are much more analytical than women on average, right? So there are mm-hmm. women who are just as analytical as men and men who are just as non-analytical or, or more feelings-based than or as women. But on average, men tend to be more analytical than women. Mm-hmm. And the people that are extremely analytical, overwhelmingly tend to be women. Uh, and, or sorry, men. Men, yeah. So tend to be men. Yeah. And the people that tend to be extremely emotional, overwhelmingly are, are women. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a good thing. Let me say that first and foremost. That I think that that is by design, is intentional, and it is vitally necessary for the success of the human family and for humans in general. Mm, okay. that, that, that is that way. Um, both have their merits and both have their place in society. Uh, and I, I personally, I am you know, like that. I, I fall on that more analytical side. I think heavily on more on, on the mm-hmm. analytical side. And emotions are... And feelings are difficult things for me to take into account in the world mm-hmm. because they're not usually logical. So they're logical in the sense that there's a reason for feelings. And so like, you never have a feeling that is not connected to anything. Right. But the feeling doesn't have to be generated from a place of logic and reason. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm dealing with somebody who is controlled by emotion or who is giving into emotion or whose uh, situation is highly emotional or or um, feelings based I don't know how to account for what they're dealing with like I'm I'm a fixer by nature and I I see things and I want to fix it and I want to show people like hey like this doesn't work because of this like this this logic like the 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 logic you're giving me for why you feel this way doesn't make sense because of yada, yada, yada. And show them like this is self-defeating logic or it's logic that contradicts itself in like 10 different areas. <laughs> but um, I, I am experienced enough, I think now, after, especially after being married, to know that feelings don't – they're not attached to logic and they don't have to be attached to logic and that's okay uh, but because they are not, I, and I think a lot of men are probably like me, don't know like really how to account for them in the world. Okay. And it, it kind of like, it stresses the only, th- like we're really, I was saying this earlier, one of the <laughs> only things that gives me anxiety or makes me feel anxious. Like when I've heard people describe anxiety, the only thing that makes me feel anxiety is when I, when people are talk to, talking to me about anxiety. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like like when they're talking about like, oh, Emily has this, this uh, tendency. Mm-hmm. You want to tell them about your tendency that I, that brings that? Yeah, well, I mean, I just tend to kind of exaggerate and 
let my feelings build up until I just kind of like... I don't even know how to explain it. I can just see it. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I call it uh, her conflation spiral. Yeah. And so it's like... I generalize. I, And I want to talk about that a little bit later, but... Okay, we don't talk about that now. Then. No, it's okay. Keep, um, keep going. Well, it's just like... I, I see her get into these, into these spirals where she's perfectly uh, calm and happy and, and like rooted and then something goes wrong and then it's like she got a, a couple questions wrong on her quiz or she might have failed a quiz and all of a sudden it's like she's a bad mom. Like she thinks that she can never cook well, or like like all it's these. It's like all of a sudden I'm the worst human at everything. Yeah, and men do this too, uh, but I think, and and I do this too even. But I think y- you and maybe women in general, I can't. We're a say lot that. more ready to do it. Yeah, yeah. And I think, and I mean, there's the additional like you've been pregnant or breastfeeding for a good portion of our marriage. Five years? Yeah. <laughs> <The> <laughs> My whole, hormones are a little yeah. out of whack. <laughs> um, and so when she gets in those moods, I'm like, I, I see all of the illogical reasons for her, uh, or at least the illogical reasons she's giving herself for her mental state and mm-hmm. for conflation spirals. He just like looks at me like I'm this explosive cloud and he puts his hands up in these weird positions like he's trying to push the cloud back into a box. And I do it jokingly, <laughs> but I she's know. she's told me that she doesn't like that today. So we're going to stop doing that. <laughs> but I just like I see it. And I'm like, OK, just just get back in the box. Like take these bad feelings that have no relation to reality. Like, so like compact everything back. I don't know. Yeah. It's just so, funny. Well, it's like so th- it all stemmed from I got. I failed a quiz, right? So let's take that example. Okay, that example, yeah. So it all stems from I failed a quiz, but then I failed a quiz suddenly, like, shoots out a little lightning bolt and hits your uh, your mom box, and then that then that lightning bolt causes your mom box to spiral and start saying things like, I'm a terrible mother. Like, I, I can't believe I didn't, like, cook this meal better for my children. Or, like, their room's <laughs> a mess. or And it's just like, and then that jumps and hits some other box and then, or some other hat, and then just keeps, like, spiraling. And I just want to take it and be like, none of those things are accurate. Yes, you failed your test. So, like, let's get all that of those things thing. <laughs> back to the one accurate thing and let's talk about that one accurate thing. <clears throat> and so that's what I'm, like, trying to do when I say, let's push it back. Let's get it all so, back like, into the one thing that caused all of these other areas of your life to be, you know, that you've conflated your, all of these mm-hmm. other areas of your life with this one thing. So these situations cause you anxiety. Yeah. It ca- like I feel like like that tension yeah. when I deal, when I see that happening and I don't know what to do. <laughs> so, so I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. So let's say that we have some listeners here that feel just like you, that they are maybe fixers or they don't understand people when they talk, when people talk about mental illness or mental health in general. Um, what, what can you say to them to kind of help them understand? I think you have to figure out where you are at and figure out where the person that you love that is struggling with these things is at mm-hmm. and figure out what you need to do to bridge that gap. Mm-hmm. Um, at least the gap of understanding. Uh, and so for me, it l- really was a struggle for me to accept the idea that emotions don't have to be logical because 
my emotions tend to be logical. I can usually say like, I'm in a bad mood, and like I'm in a bad mood because of this, and then this, and then this is why I'm doing this, and this is why I'm doing. This. And there's usually like a logical train for my, mm-hmm. mood. and that's not always true. I'm not a robot, but generally speaking, that's how it is. Uh, and it was very difficult for me to get to a, that point because we we had conversations at the beginning of our marriage, and I was like, honey, like why are you upset? Like I don't understand. Mm-hmm. And you would try and explain it to me, and I was like, that doesn't make sense. Like, there has to be a reason. Can you think about it a little bit harder and tell me a reason? Uh, and that just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if you if you had a personality type that was more like mine, maybe it would work. And I think there are couples who are probably like that. Uh, but wherever you're at, you just have to try and work really hard at uh, understanding where you're at and then understanding how you're spouse's mind works uh and then act in accordance with that difference or the differential so how would you say that you would help you help me when i'm dealing with things like emotional struggles because of the difference when you are having your own mm-hmm. struggles yeah you're talking, talking about like how i help you with your emotional struggles mm-hmm. because like my mind's more analytical and your mind's right. more emotional how do you, being a more emotional mind, help well, me with my... Like, because I know that you're more logical and more, like, analytical, I try to kind of analyze it with you, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I may not understand the analytics... Is that a word? Sure. Of it, the logic of it. Um, if I can, like, not help you understand it logically, because I know that you do... But if you can explain it to me, then I can kind of try to understand the logic of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I feel like one of the ways I try to help you is to just let you know that it's okay to feel that way and to let it sit like that for a little while. Mm-hmm. Because I think sometimes you, because you're Mr. Fix-It, like you're not just trying to fix it for everybody else, but you want to fix it in yourself. And so I can see that you... When you're having an issue, you kind of like flag it as a weakness and you have a plan right away to get rid of it. When really like it's okay to let an emotion sit for a second. Yeah, I, um, I, I definitely do struggle with that. As you were th- talking about that, I, I was thinking about how that's totally true where I, I'll, I'll have a weakness and I'll recognize why it's a weakness or I'll have like an emotion and I'll, <laughs> and I'll recognize that the emotion comes from a is I can fix the thing that is causing that negative emotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can't force the emotion to go away right away. Like there's something about right. letting emotions run their course. You still have to fix the, the root causes, but mm-hmm. you have to let emotions run their course. And that is, I, I struggle with that. That is something that I have a real problem with. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of just what I've tried to help you do, mm-hmm. but thank you. You're welcome. Um, so another thing, just real quick, I think I don't really know how much time we have left, but um, we have a good amount of time. Okay, I have one thing from the emotional. Yes. Do you have something Please. else from the emotional health? Uh, no. Okay. Um. So one thing that I really liked that she talked about, and it's something we've talked about before, uh, is the the way we approach mental health professionals. Mm-hmm. Um. The so psychologists so not like not psychiatrists who are prescribing medication but psychologists or therapists 
what they're really doing when you meet with them is they're helping you develop healthy cognitive patterns or healthy behavioral patterns. Mm -hmm. And so just like if you've, um, let's say like you've been injured physically or you get in a car accident and whatnot and you need to kind of rehabilitate your body. It'd be like the physical therapist. It'd be like the physical therapist. And not like the drugs that you're taking. Right. And so going to the physical therapist is just what you do when your body's messed up and it takes a while to kind of rehabilitate. Uh, and if you want to be able to rehabilitate in a productive manner to get back to where you need to be, uh, you go to a physical therapist. Um, or uh, sometimes, you know, if you're born or you're raised a certain way, and so like you learn how to walk incorrectly or your muscles don't develop right when you're a child, you still go to a physical therapist to kind of teach you the right way of doing things for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I think both cases have an a really analogous situation when it comes to, or a really good analogy when it comes to visiting uh, mental health professionals Mm -hmm. because they can help you create better mental or behavioral patterns when something's gone wrong in your life and your healthy behavioral patterns have been messed up or if for whatever reason you did not develop healthy behavioral patterns uh, as you were growing up, whether because your parents didn't, have them themselves or because you were abused or because you were exposed to trauma or for whatever reason, if you haven't developed those, uh, behavioral specialists can kind of train your, help train you so that you can develop these things later in life. And if you've developed strong negative habits, you're going to need professional help to get out of them. So that was just one cool thing. Mm-hmm. One one thing I think that takes away the stigma of mental health professionals is looking at it in that sense. Right, totally. Yeah, yeah. I agree. So one thing that I have from the social health section um, was kind of like a role that your spouse plays. And she says when it's difficult... So, okay, let me back up. She's talking about like the fact that she, she talks also about how like studies have shown and stuff, but that being social when you don't want to be social um, creates happiness because if you let it, I guess, because friendships will create happiness. And so, um, so she says, when it's difficult being social or I don't want to be social, he encourages me, reminding me that it helps me feel more positive. And so I just love the word reminding here. That one of the roles our spouse has is to remind us. Um, And for me, like what that looks like is when I'm in those moments of conflating and generalizing and one thing leads to another and I'm spiraling like crazy. Um, (laughs) What Andrew does often is he reminds me that I am a good mom and that it was just one test Mm -hmm. and... I'm okay, and... And we keep and using I, the, the, the example of the test right. or the quiz. Yeah. She's only done, like, had a hand, she's received a handful of bad quiz grades. That was just a very easy right. example. Right, it's an easy, grabbable But example. it happens in so many different areas of life. Yeah. Like, I think, I've seen so many good people do this, both men and women, but I think especially women, where, like, something small goes wrong, mm-hmm. and then they conflate that one legitimate issue, or maybe, like not legitimate issue uh, to 
uh, how this? they conflate it and they think that it applies or it affects every aspect of their life. Right. So it, like it's spiraling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we can have someone there for us that can remind us who we are and what our strengths are and how, like what gets us out of these holes that we're in, um, that's just, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you for being my reminder. Mm-hmm. And I think that helps me also because one of my love languages is words of affirmation and so specifically and personally that one's really helpful to me mm-hmm. um, yeah did you have anything else you want to share babe uh just one more i think from the same section yeah social health okay um so it's this one sentence says my husband and i have found joy in serving others and getting together with friends even when i don't feel like it um, and i wanted to ask uh this may not be a very interesting question, but um, when you think about friends now, mm-hmm. the friends that like help, um, those relationships are do the things that help most for you. How do I say this? Is it when we hang out with other couple friends, or is it help more when you are like one on one or like with just girlfriends? Probably depends on kind of what phase I'm in and what friends are around. Mm-hmm. Probably. Um, in the phase we're in right now, I feel like I'd like you to be there with me. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're still in a relatively new place with new people that we're getting to know. And so it makes me feel more comfortable right now in this phase to have a couple friends. Right. Because I know I, I worry about this, that when we're with other couples or, mm-hmm. or with other friends, I have, you a, dominate. I have a tendency to dominate conversation. Not that I cut you off or that kind of stuff. But I don't mind. I know. And the thing is, like, I know you worry about me minding, but I don't. And it's not so much that I worry about you minding. It's I worry that I'm inhibiting you from developing those deep friendships I know that you love. Mm-hmm. And I worry about that. On a personal level, I wouldn't worry about that. Okay. I think we're good. Okay. <laughs> good. <laughs> you guys, some of these things we're figuring out on our own right with you. Yeah. <laughs> But that's something I worry about because I see that, um, you know, if if it, if I didn't consciously take the step back, I would just do a lot of these kind of social things. Mm-hmm. Like I would, like on my own. Like I would just right. kind of naturally go through them and not even think about it. But I want to like step back, especially in areas that you've told me you want to be better at these things. Mm-hmm. Like you want to be better at. Um, you know, like asking questions on the podcast, for example, like kind of like <laughs> leading those kind of conversations. Yeah. And so I try hard to like step back and let me do it for myself. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, like I appreciate that. Um, but with how like reserved I am, like I kind of like to watch what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like I'm definitely like a watcher first. I'm not just going to come into a situation and just like be the life of the party. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nice for me to have kind of like a buffer there to like, you figure out the situation, you figure out like the social setting and I'll be there to watch. And then I will kind of like come in as I feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I also know from experience that as we have more of those encounters, I will become more open and more outgoing. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't I don't stay in that state every time we're with the same friends. It's just like the first few times probably yeah. with new people. 
And that's going to be personal to everybody's personality and what you feel comfortable with Yeah. when it comes to social stuff. But I think that the important thing about the social health is that especially when you want, like when you are super down and you're super struggling and you want to just be alone and you don't want to hang out with anybody, to reach out to somebody, um, try to find some way that you can serve someone or be social. Um, and that doesn't mean that it's bad to want to be alone. I want to be alone a lot. Um, but I think it's the combination of wanting to be alone and super struggling, yeah. feeling debilitated. And I, I think that this, <clears throat> all of these things kind of go back to the original statement where we talked about having a plan, sharing your plan with your spouse. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, because I think having a plan is what helps you maintain all of these areas of health. Mm-hmm. Oh, can you go ahead and share how you analyze your mental health? Because I think that goes right along with it. Oh. Because, I mean, I when I think about my mental health, like, I want to think about all these different facets, and I, I kind of want to th- really think about it and really feel. Um, but when I ask Andrew, he kind of said something a little bit different. Um, yeah. So and, I kind of want to hear you. And it, it might just be the fact, going back to this issue of, like, when people talk about mental health and they're, like, talking about all of the things that they have anxiety about and whatnot, it just kind of, like, freaks me out. I'm like, I don't. Because they have all these things. I'm like, I don't want to press a button that's going to make you blow up or like say something wrong that's going to like trigger you to trigger you or something. Like, Mm -hmm. like it just kind of freaks me out. Like, I feel like (laughs) I feel like I did like I felt like when I was a brand new father and holding the like Hiram, like our little baby for the first time, like this like so child is so fragile. And so when people come out and say that they feel fragile, emotionally i'm like oh great great like i'm just gonna break something and it's gonna be all my fault it scares me um and i so i i don't like to think of it in terms of mental like like oh how am i doing mental health wise um i am a but i i think about it in terms of like oh am i balanced am i rooted do i feel happy um and, and then I look at my life kind of holistically and say, okay, so where am I at in these different areas? What feels off? And I usually can just feel it um, if I sit down and think about it for long enough. Um, and as I think about it that way, then I can address it and, and move on. Uh, but, can you share like an experience when you did feel unbalanced or like you needed to like take a step back from something yeah. and cut something out? Um, well, I think one thing that we've talked about frequently is one of my needs, like my, my love language is, is, uh, what is it like? Not intentional time. What is that? Quality time. Quality time as quality time. And specifically I need like intellectual engagement. Like I need to be engaged in some like philosophical thinking or strategy (laughs) or something like that. And if I'm kind of like in the grind at work where I'm just doing like, I'm, I'm in a phase at work where I'm kind of doing a lot of, not mindless things, but a lot of things that don't require a whole lot of high level thinking. Uh, and sometimes I'll just kind of get in this rut where I'm not doing anything that's challenging me intellectually. And I just feel off. I feel agitated and I feel bad about myself and I feel sad and I feel like I can like I'm kind of jittery and I have to like stop and think about it and I 
I don't know what it is that helps me realize it, but you just like look. I just look at my life and think, okay, what are these? Like I kind of go through the checklist. Like, oh, am I getting enough exercise? Am I spending enough quality time with my wife? Am I getting that one-on-one time with my children? Am I getting good scripture studies in? Am I uh, am I getting am I fulfilling my interests? And I just kind of go through the list of things that I know that I need. Uh, and when I spot what I am not doing, I think about it and I realize, okay, that's what it is. And then I will do something to fulfill that need. Or I, I usually what it means is I'll have to cut back on something else so I have time to fill that need. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that, that has happened frequently where I'll, I'll tell Emily that and then she'll play some strategy game with me that she hates because she knows <laughs> that I need the right. intellectual stimulation or... I, I'll uh, kind of start a conversation with a friend who I know is engaged and like like to talk about philosophy or politics, and will engage in those kind of discussions with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So having a plan super important. Yeah. Super Telling important. your spouse your plan super important. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest biggest takeaways, the most important in this whole topic is the knowledge that our savior knows us and loves us so individually and so dearly and he knows exactly what we're going through so turning to him is really the best option that we have right like the savior should be engaged in every step of this process right every step of your evaluation of of your mental health of your of your plan uh, of your planning of your uh, execution of your plan of your deciding with whom you should share your plan and your issues the savior is so engaged in your life uh, that if you allow him to kind of play a role in your decision making he will yeah and he's going to be the one that's going to be able to best understand you right and even if you don't feel like um Oh, what was it? Someone told me this once when I was having a hard time getting the, the not willpower, but like kind of the motivation to pray because I just didn't feel it, I guess, for some reason. Um, they said the times when you need to pray the most are the times when you don't want to. Um, and I just feel that so strongly that I needed to share that right now. Um, just that when we are down, when we're struggling... Sometimes we don't want to pray. We just want to wallow. And in those moments, like, that is when it's so important for us to turn to the Lord. Turn to Jesus Christ because he knows exactly what you're going through. And I think on top of that, I want to emphasize, yes, those moments when you don't want to pray are the moments that you need prayer the most. But it is also true that as you decide to push through that barrier and get down your knees and pray or say a prayer in your heart or even out loud as you're driving to work, whenever it is, it doesn't mean that you're going to have some powerful, miraculous experience at that moment. Yeah. But I promise that as you make that consistent step of praying, you will see a gradual increase of the spirit in your life, which will naturally help mediate a lot of these feelings. And it's not going to fix all of your problems and that you still might need professional help. But if the Spirit's there in your life on a daily basis, then you're going to naturally make better decisions. 
and so I think we all need to engage the Savior in our in our lives as much as possible, especially right now. There's just so much crap going on right now. There's so many negative voices, so many negative worldly philosophies that pretend to be inspired of Christ that are pulling us away from each other and away from aspects of ourselves uh, that are divine. And we need to cling to our Heavenly Father and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Right. And if we can do that as a team with our spouse, the better. Yeah, all the better. Because we're going to be drawn closer to each other as we draw closer to the Lord and vice versa. Right. Because look at this is, it's difficult to realize this, but the fact is, Emily is a sovereign person. (laughs) I am a sovereign person. And if we don't have some common area that we agree is fixed it is absolute it is upon it is the ground upon which we need to build everything else then there's no way for us to truly be united mm-hmm. if it if it wasn't for the savior and for that third party that third absolute party then it would be a constant i'm winning or she's winning because we have to go through every aspect of our personality and the way we see things and everything and say okay yours is superior here mine's superior over here so we're going to kind of give and take and marriage is a little bit of that but it's more of hey like what do we need to do to build on the savior and that's when you receive that's that's when you find stability that's when you find happiness that's when you find the the strength of will to do all these little things we've been talking about that help you be healthy and be happy because in the end our heavenly father loves us he is our heavenly father and he has created us to be happy like men are that they might have joy that is perfect thank you for sharing that i love you love you too um we just encourage you to if you are feeling like you are struggling and you can't get out of it and you need help please go to your loved ones your family, your friends, your spouse, turn to somebody, find social connection. And if you feel like you can't turn anywhere, you can come talk to us. Yeah, please. Especially if you are thinking of harming yourself or others, um, please, please reach out. There are resources out there. uh, And if you're worried about being able to pay for it, frequently churches provide mental health resources uh, by or from medical professionals. And we are more than willing to get you in touch with people who can help you find those resources. So please, please, please reach out. You are loved, not just by your Heavenly Father, but by us and by those around you. We love you. Okay, keep the faith. Bye, guys.